from RF Smart. This is Taking Inventory, a podcast all about better controlling your supply chain and improving inventory management. And now, your host, Sarah Archer. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Taking Inventory with RF Smart. My name is Sarah Archer. On this podcast, we talk about supply chain and we talk about warehouse management and we talk about ways to improve those things and be more successful in those things. And so joining me today, I have JD and Avery, who are going to be speaking to us from Schaefer, Troxel and Howe, or STH for short. Um, guys, I'm going to let you jump right into it and introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about STH. Uh, JD, do you want to go first and tell us a little bit about your role, about the company, and then we'll let Avery um, also speak about his role. All right, Sarah, thank you so much uh, for having us on here this morning. Um, this was definitely a, a great experience for us to be to be a part of, of this this morning and, and to be able to, to give you our feedback and knowledge. Uh, I am currently the CFO for SCH, uh, also one of the partners. I started back in 2012. Uh, we're a manufacturer's rep firm. We represent commercial pumping equipment as well as industrial pumping equipment uh, from all over the world. And our main territory is the DC, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware area uh, with you know multiple warehouses within the region. And and so we have, not only do we have the sales on new construction engineering side, we have sales and aftermarket, we have, and we also have service in all those same areas. And so for us, we have the locations, the separation of not only multiple employees and locations, but also because of COVID, we were, we, we got spread out quite a bit as well. Uh, so for uh, the company has been around, it started in Maryland in 1973. Uh, and, and so for us to be able to go to the growth that we've had to the, to the DC market and the Northern Virginia market now into Delaware, uh, it's been, and even in the parts of West Virginia, uh, it, it's been a great growth, uh, for the company. Um, yeah, so my name's Avery Trent and I've been working with STH, uh, since the end of 2016. Um, I handle all of the IT support and, um, now that we are using NetSuite, uh, I'm the NetSuite administrator. Um, but I handle any kind of um, company communication and uh, data organization, um, anything that we can do to make our processes more efficient, I try to get involved in. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for being here. This is going to be a fun episode. We have a lot of people kind of uh, who ask questions about the topic that we're covering today, which is really about getting the buy-in of the C-suite at your organization. Of course, JD and Avery, you guys work together really well, are a great example of this. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about why um, you know CFOs or C-suite professionals should be involved in this kind of decision, but then also how you as a supply chain professional, IT professional can get that kind of buy-in. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about STH's experience with that, some of the things that they did in order to prove ROI. But before we do any of that, let's talk a little bit about why you chose NetSuite and RF Smart. Um, Avery, I think I'll kick it over to you and let you start. And JD, if you've got comments, I'll let you add as well. Sure. So um, shortly after I started, um, it became clear that we had multiple systems um, doing similar but disconnected things. Um, we ended up having four different systems to make up what NetSuite now covers um, as an ERP. And um, we were having a lot of trouble um, communicating as a company. Um, it was feeling a little bit more like we had separate companies for sales and service. Um, and so JDEB, the go ahead to start looking, and we spent probably two years 
um, interviewing different companies, um, coming at it from, you know, the service angle or the sales angle um, or the inventory angle. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of systems out there that do each of those things well, but not many that can do them all well altogether. Um, and so it was quite a search, but I can let JD talk a little bit more about, um, you know, what led to the four systems and how NetSuite got narrowed down. Yeah, so we we had because of our the style of our organization, uh, we had like I said, we have the new construction sales, we have aftermarket sales, we and we have the service and repair. Um, not one system was handling all of the parts and pieces that we needed, and then we were bolted on an actual a reporting and dashboard system on top, so we could actually see the data uh, from all the different systems. When when Avery got on board, gave him a little bit of time, started doing this research. It, our main goal was to get something that all of the parts of the company were seeing the same data. It wasn't disconnected. It was something that when someone on my sales team who ended up running into an issue in the field needed to talk to somebody in the service company side of the company to look at solving an issue for a customer, we needed to be able to do that at the same time. And we need to be able to make sure that we had the parts and the pieces on the shelves that were what was needed to fix the problem. And with, with NetSuite and RF Smart, we noticed that we didn't matter who, who it was in the company. When they clicked on a link, it went to the same place. When they looked in the inventory, we saw the same count. Previously, I would they would call me and say, hey, how many of these do we have on the shelf? I think we got six. I'd actually call the warehouse and they'd say, actually, we have one. And then somebody on another system would say, well, it looks like we might have three. And so it, it, to be able to put everybody on the same page was was huge for us. That disparate system story of like just different siloed data is probably a story that every person listening to this podcast is familiar with. I think that that's really one of the number one reasons that people end up investigating NetSuite is so those things can speak to each other. I want to dig a little deeper into that investigation process and talk about the ROI analysis that you guys conducted. Avery, I think that you had a big part in that. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say, looking back on it, I'm actually really glad that it took us so long to find NetSuite because it was the two years of errors and issues and watching the inter intercompany struggle to communicate that made it more clear what our requirements needed to be. And that, I mean, before we even got to ROI, we did have to write down some of not just the struggles um, because those are easy to focus on, but also what we didn't want to give up from our current systems because each system did at least one thing well. Um, and so when it came down to ROI and we had been looking at um, three different major softwares by the time we were doing this analysis, um, we kind of broke it down into three categories, um, how much we could gain in increased sales, um, how much time we could save uh, in avoiding double work and how many uh, previous technological systems we wouldn't have to uh, continue to either develop or just pay the licensing for. And so some good examples of this um, are that we've been, uh, you know, we've been around for many years and we have data on, I think, 16,000 different job sites at this point. Um, and that can lead to a lot of new sales uh, because our pumps have a long life cycle and we can we can come back when we expect the pump to need replaced. Um, and so one thing that we couldn't do in a previous system was really track that timeline very specifically for when when we should come back years after we've sold a pump. And so one of the characteristics we 
took into account with our ROI was just how well the system would help us to find um, new sales in our current data. Um, and then an, another example in the time savings, um, we had a lot of a lot of time we spent getting ready to do a job was um, related to just making sure that we had the right information like JD uh, was talking about. And part of it was just that, you know, we, we didn't have web-based systems before. So if you weren't in the physical office, um, you still needed, you know, contact with the office. And we had workarounds, we had um, ways to get into our desktops, but it's not the same as just loading a website. And so, you know, we were taking into account just, you know, those microseconds, the five seconds it takes to load up, you know, one one method of connecting versus just loading a website. Um, and when you add that up over time, over, you know, the number of employees we have, it, it does add up pretty quick. Um, and then for technology savings, um, you know, we had a local server. We had uh, been paying software uh, developers to continue to try to hobble together the systems that we had. And, you know, those are not costs that you think of directly with the software. You think of just the licensing, but there were a lot of things adding up, um, you know, especially as time went on um, and those servers would have um, needed upgrading just to keep up with the pace of work that we have. So um, we thought about all those things when we were calculating ROI. Yeah, definitely. And so as you were performing those analysis, were there things that came up that maybe surprised you or things that you were like, oh, this, you know, going to a system like NetSuite is really going to improve this? From my perspective, it was it was the continuous growth of ways to save. And a lot of these software groups try to give you an ROI. They're all really generic. They're all really self-serving. But occasionally there'll be one or two from each that you're like, oh, let's let's take a piece of that. Let's take a piece of that. And as we were building kind of our own master ROI spreadsheet and because I had done one generically, but I was looking at it strictly from the balance sheet, you know, the income statement sort of point of view for me, where Avery, you know, working hand in hand with the IT person and really letting them go, well, you know, from my perspective, these different licenses specifically go away or or these different tasks will go away specifically for me. And then working with each team within the organization, kind of picking a we're, we've now called them all leads on each team to really try to get some quick wins and victories and say, hey, where's a, what's a major pain point for you? We went through and just made a list of what's pain and what can't you live without? And, and putting those together, having, it was sort of a different scorecard, not just your dollars and cents spreadsheet, but I made a, a, a must have, should have, can't live without sort of spreadsheet as well. And made sure that these different parts and pieces, uh, you know, fit in there. Yeah. I was just wondering if when you were evaluating RF Smart or any other systems that you may use, if you're taking a page out of your own book, kind of applying some of the things that you learned from doing that in-depth analysis with NetSuite and then applying that to choosing other vendors. Yes, definitely. We definitely went back to this ROI calculator. So we use this sort of analysis moving forward and it's it has definitely paid dividends you know, not only internally, but externally for partner companies that we do work with now, but being able to do this, we've gone, you know, almost $2 million in top line and really only added a body or two um, since we actually chose to go with NetSuite. Definitely. JD, I think um, your involvement in this pro in project certainly plays a role in its success, being able to have that really close relationship between someone like Avery, who is kind of in it and living it and then in the C-suite. 
What is the role of the CFO, CEO in supply chain? Why does it matter that you're involved in these kinds of projects? Well, I think in the end, there's a couple of things. If you look from the top down, you know, we're the people who have to sign off on the stuff. And but what I've but what I've noticed is when I do a lot of different accounting with different small businesses to large businesses. Um, I don't know if this is going to come out properly or not, but sometimes when we get in the C-suite, we think we're too important, right? Like we, 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 we get a little big for our britches, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, but it's also, I don't want to phrase this right. You also want to make sure, like I said earlier, we chose leads from each team, but it was, it was those conversations that were two way. It wasn't just one way where, yes, I asked them what were their pain points. I also got the opportunity to explain to them why I needed certain reporting fields, why I needed to be able to certain, why I needed certain visibility. Cause they'd say, well, I only really need these couple of things. And I would say, well, I think we need these too for your department because I need to see this, that, and the other. And that actually helped strengthen our relationship as a company where we were able to discuss the pros, the cons and, and the why of, of, of why I needed these fields or why the C-suite needed to see these fields and working together like that really, really helped us get to the root of it because there I definitely could have sat back or Avery and I could have sat back and said oh yeah this system works the best it gives me these things that I need to see the best um, but instead being able to tie kind of the mission the vision of the company into the people who have to carry it out was, was a was a big deal it was it was a huge part of this and as a as a fairly small company we still got to do a lot of that but I would encourage it from the small to the large that sitting down, having those two-way conversations, understanding the why the C-suite wants to see what they want to see, and and also having the, well, what do you need to do your role? And genuinely trying to give your employees that was, was a huge step for us. And I think we won a lot of points with our employees overall morale, just being able to listen and get them, get using their feedback, you know, to, to help make this selection. Absolutely. Avery, did you have something to add there? Yeah, I, I think JD and I were able to find a balance um, when we were trying to get that kind of information because um, many IT people will know you, you get the truth um, when something's broken. And so I had a lot of those truths, um, but I also had been working, as JD had mentioned, on a, a system of reporting um, in our old multiple system setup. Um, and so I had spent a, a lot of time you know, with the C-suite working on making sure they had the right data. And um, I was able to get the information on uh it's almost it's humbling to understand what everyone was doing throughout the day that got that data um, when i was setting that up and that was a good experience um, but i think what was important was for jd to come in and explain to everyone why that information was important um, and help teams think beyond their borders because we were siloed just because of the technology. And I think one thing that we often had mentioned in that time period was that, you know, NetSuite isn't going to get rid of the work that you have to do. Um, and it, it might move some tasks from one team to another um, because that makes more natural sense. And so that was something that it was really important. That's not something I was in a position to explain to people, but JD made it uh, made it really clear to people that, you know, there's going to be trade-offs, uh, but it's important so that we're, we were optimizing um, our workflows because, you know, we had been challenged by so much double work before and that required a change. 
Yeah, and that change can be kind of scary, but it can certainly be pretty rewarding. Avery, what kind of ROI are you guys seeing now? I know you have some great data on counting and different things like that, but what's the ROI you're seeing now? Um, the time-saving um, ROI and the and the um, I think it does translate directly into morale. But the idea that you can type into Netsuite's global search and know something and not have to check with someone else. Um, is a really big change for us. Um, and for me personally, um, I used to spend um, a day a week, maybe just spending, trying to make sure that I've pulled the data from different sources. And so now I have that time back um, to do other things. Um, and honestly, just having the um, headspace to think about our data and think about how we are doing our processes instead of trying to, you know, hold them up manually and hold them up uh, from falling apart uh, is, is a huge change for me personally. But yeah, I'd say just on headcount alone, um, we're probably three to four employees better, meaning that we would have had to, had to hire without a doubt, based on the transactional count that we had of number of sales orders, quotes, et cetera, that were being processed to where we're at today across the company. Uh, we've been able to focus more on hiring sales reps and hiring service technicians, which are producers, right? Versus the the indirect uh, or the direct cost and, and indirect producers that are we call our inside. And and so I would say well over well over two hundred thousand a year uh, in in just hard cash savings. Um, but again, I, I don't know if. If I, even equating that properly just because of the growth that we've experienced because people have been able to talk to each other quicker and see the same data versus where they were before. Well, I'm, I'm reading through my um, software evaluation, my final executive summary of this ROI, and I'm, I, I'm pr- proud of us for thinking about this. But one thing that I've always noticed uh, from the IT perspective is that software is an emotional um adventure <laughs> you ha- you can't you can't ignore the fact that people have an emotional response to the software and a part of our ROI actually included how people were responding to the demos um, emotionally we had a questionnaire that we had them fill out um, and I just remember you know now that we're looking back at this that those silos that we had um, did create a lot of that adversarial relationship between teams where they felt like if they didn't do this, one thing a certain way, then they would get, you know, in trouble. Someone would call them out for doing it the wrong way. And um, even once we had NetSuite, it's it's actually really important to gauge how people um, are trusting the system. And I just remember one of the reasons that we wanted to sign on with RF Smart was that, you know, there, there's small cracks in a system if you let anything go slightly untrue. Um, and RF Smart has been instrumental in making sure that we um, can maintain the truth of inventory um, just like, and you know, that's one of the things that we really um, liked about NetSuite um, was the Suite app program and the fact that they take so long to verify that everything's going to work. I mean, just in our old systems, when they would go down, the emotional response of not being able to work for a day because the server wasn't working or something, you know, that, that really is hard on people and for them to trust that we picked a system that was going to um, have 
lots of people smarter than us, making sure that it's going to work when you turn it on in the morning. Um, you know, it's a big deal and it's not something that um, we could really discount. Um, it's always um, deeper than just the the numbers or even, um, you know, the task at hand, which is hard. You know, I'm a very task oriented person and I think <laughs> it's easy to be that way in these positions, but it's important to think about what, um, how people are responding. That is such a great point. And really what it comes down to, right, is when people are unhappy with the solution or they feel siloed or they feel like they don't understand something, they're not going to use it. And so if you're making a technology investment like NetSuite or like RFSmart, and it's and it's not something that you've taken into account, how easy is this going to be for people to learn? That could be very uh, divisive and could lead to people not even using it, going back to their old ways. A lot more headaches. I love that you guys considered that um, as we wrap up today, guys, I did, uh, JD, want to ask you one more question a little bit. And, and Avery, I know that you'll have some things to add here as well. But just about how you guys have been able to now take this data, this ROI analysis you conducted, implement it in your own business, and now how you're able to help others do the same thing. So, JD, can you just share a little bit about that uh, experience and process of being able to help others now uh, with what you guys have learned? Sure. Yeah. So we're part of a best practice group, which I would recommend for any any group or any company to find people that are in a similar industry to you and, and be a part of those groups to talk through the pains and the struggles. Because there's a lot of times you're going to sit around a room and people are going to say everything's great. But really what it takes is people coming in willing to say, no, I've got these struggles and have you faced them before? And so when I started out in the business a couple of years ago, I was definitely looked at as just your stereotypical accountant. Yeah, there's our bean counter over there. You know, he does this, that and the other for us. And but as I started getting invited more of these best practice meetings, they started talking through what pains are you having? And for a while there, it was nothing more than, man, I got to get these sales. I, you know, what are you guys doing to move this product or what's new products are coming? Um, then the, they started transitioning to, hey, guys, I, I got the product now, but how are you tracking it? Or, oh, I've got this product now. And how do you know your sales guys are talking about it? And so then people started looking more to me and during these meetings because I was able to speak up about what we were doing with our software, how uh, the changes we were making, um, how we were going about analyzing the software that we were looking at. And, and it, it just kept growing and growing to the point where there was almost break off sessions just to talk about software at these best practice meetings, just to talk about the other parts and pieces. And we just so happened at the, end, the very beginning of 2020, we got invited to one and we, we'd actually talked to the groups a few little bit in 19. They were kind of tracking how we were doing, how, how, how's everything going, you know, a little bit of struggles of implementing and getting everybody on the same page and, and then turning it into a positive. And then in January of 2020, I was at one of the best practices and um, one of the groups really wanted to see more of what we were doing, how we were doing it. And Avery and I got to give them a demonstration of what we were doing. And, and, and then COVID hit. And their CFO decided to retire. Uh, they were already looking at NetSuite. And what we were able to do is we were, we were able to convert them. They now run run NetSuite, looking with the parts to add next service and soon to be putting in RF Smart. We just took over with them. So now we're actually able to run a, a second accounting department. They have an, they have an admin on site, but that's it. They're, we're in Maryland. Uh, they're in Houston, Texas. And and it's 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 been great. And And honestly... I think even back to the ROI conversation, the 
the benefit that not only is SDH found, but our partner company that we're doing a shared service with now, we act now have two or three other that we're in discussion with, um, deciding whether or not, you know, what the best timing will be for them as well. But we're now able to provide a return on investment to other companies. Honestly, Avery and I are in the midst of discussion now of, of almost being able to, it, it's a now a profit center, right? It's not just a, it's not just an overhead piece, but it's actually a profit center where we're, we're going to be able to, if we bring on one or two more people, I will have completely covered the cost of our accounting and IT team. And, and not many small companies can say, oh yeah, my accounting and IT team doesn't cost me anything. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but being able to, to communicate with other groups and use this same ROI tool with others and say, you know, here's what we found versus the pain points you might have. I mean, it's been huge. Yeah. And it so affirms that decision you guys made in the beginning of this is the right thing for our team. This is now the right thing for other people. You know, at RF Smart, our mission is to transform customers and change lives. And so it's really cool to me to see how, of course, using NetSuite and RF Smart has been able to help uh, transform your business in certain ways and is now helping to transform other businesses. I love that you guys are taking what you've learned and then applying it and helping other people. Well, Avery and JD, thank you guys so much for being here today. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, but for those of you who are listening, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, Google, and then also at our website at rfsmart.com slash podcast. We have an email subscription there where you can get an email once a month when we update with a new episode. Of course, you can also connect with us on any of our social media platforms. We've got LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, Avery and JD, thank you so much. Thanks to STH for being here today, and we will see you guys again soon. Thanks. Thanks.